Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you and to have this opportunity of sharing. This feels like I'm going to swallow it. You probably have to mic it up again. Sorry. Okay. Um, wow. What a wonderful uh, opportunity to be preaching. We are getting towards the end of our Exodus story. And today we are in chapter 40, the very last chapter. And uh, Luke, no, Mike referred to the people out there in the tent. And it's just so appropriate because today is all about the tabernacle of God built in the wilderness. So I want to pray quickly as we launch into this. Father, today we're looking at the fact that you wanted to be present amongst your people. In a tent, in the wilderness, it all seems crazy and temporary, but actually your desire is permanent. From the beginning into eternity, you want to be amongst us and you want us to be present with you. And so, Father, we are just so grateful for this idea and the fact that you've been speaking already today about the fact that you've got us. You're watching over us. You know what's going on. And there's nothing that you don't understand and know about and nothing you're not in control of, ultimately. So, Father, we pray as we get into this, this message today, that you will anoint by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're talking about a, a people of God's presence. So uh, Israel was a, a nation, as we've seen, going through the wilderness, and God was present with them in the cloud, in the fire, but just kind of out there. There was a, a little tent where Moses would go and talk to God, but... The idea was that they wanted to build a, a proper place for him. So just to very quickly review the story so far, we know that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and we, that, that was right, right at the beginning of Exodus. And then most of the rest of the book, he's battling to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. They still had the wrong mindset, they still thought about the Egyptian gods. They were confused about their god and, and Egypt's gods. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of unbelief, but God was working on them. Does it sound familiar? We haven't changed and neither has God. And I'm so thankful about the latter. God remains the same. So we, we are talking today about the people of God's presence. So the story so far. Israel was oppressed in Egypt. They were serving. They'd started off being welcomed because of Joseph, but uh, after time, they became more and more enslaved. But God had made a promise to Abraham, and I love this. Hundreds of years before, God says to Abraham, your descendants will be slaves in Egypt, but I will bring them out. So he made a promise that he, he was going to keep, and it's hundreds of years before it happens. And he warned Abram that that would happen. I think sometimes we expect God's answers immediately. And we forget that he's busy working on getting Egypt out of us, as well as getting us into his presence, into his kingdom. We've seen in the previous uh, sessions that Moses was chosen and equipped, trained in the palace of Pharaoh. At age 40, he thought he was ready to rebel against Egypt and uh, start an insurrection. It didn't last very long, and it ended with Moses running away 
into the wilderness and thinking that his life mission was now destroyed. And that's really interesting that he knew what his mission was, but he went, not in, in God's time, but in his own time, and he blew it. And he ends up in the wilderness and gets another 40 years of training in the desert. Wow. Long-term preparation for a really big job. And I just want to say to us, whether you're here in the building or out there watching on your device, God has got a plan for each one of us. And it takes time to build character for the circumstances to, to gel. God knows what he's doing over extensive periods of time. So 40 years training in the, in the wilderness, doing what? Herding sheep. Great pre- pre- preparation for leading a nation. Oscar, Uncle Cyril. <laughs> and then we have this amazing thing where he's out there with the sheep and he sees this burning bush and yet the bush is not consumed and then the voice of God comes out of the bush and says to Moses, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And the first point I want us to remember, which is seen throughout the Bible, is that God is holy. We sometimes treat him like Father Christmas or an ATM, you just put in the card and ask him whatever you want. But actually, he is a holy God. And we need to respect and recognize his holiness, which is, I guess, for us quite difficult. So the first lesson coming out of this whole Exodus story is that God is holy. If you remember, in the beginning, when God had spoken to uh, Moses in the burning bush and tells him he was going to lead lead Israel out uh, of Egypt and into the promised land, And he says, well, who shall I tell them has sent me? Because he knew that they'd lost track of their God. And he wasn't sure how he could explain this to them. Because the Egyptians had many gods. And the people were, a lot of them, very confused. And remember he said, I am that I am. Or I am who I am. I am the ever-present, omnipotent one. Always there. Always the same. That's who is sending you. And the amazing thing is that this God wants to be with his people. Now this should start resonating with us because God is eternal and he wants to be with us. So when we talk about our tent and our congregation and the various plans and things that are happening in common ground, more important than all of our plans is the fact that God goes with us. If he's not here with us, then we are in a lot of trouble. The next thing is that God is on a mission, and this mission, it just struck me that this mission is the centerpiece of the whole Bible. And his mission is to get together with his people, to be present with them always. The problem many times is the people are either unwilling or busy with other stuff or haven't realized that he is the I am who is. I am. So uh, God is, is busy. He's talking to Moses. They're in the wilderness. They've been enjoying manna and water out of the rock and uh, various places. And God has been taking care of them for about a year now. And God now gets together with Moses. He invites him up the mountain. 
Some of the elders go up there with him initially, and then they are sent down, and God speaks to Moses about the tabernacle that he wants to build. So he's speaking about a home, a tent, a place for him to focus his presence, but more than that, for the people to focus on the fact that God is there in their midst. So this, this tent, you know, if you, if you see a, an amazing house, really expensive, you think, wow, who lives there, I wonder? Um, there was this sense of, wow, God lives here in our midst. So he was trying to get, get through to the children of Israel that he wants to live amongst them. And he's still coming with that message to us today and right to the end. Now we know what happened. Moses was busy up the mountain and the children of Israel got impatient and they said to Aaron, make us a God to take us through the wilderness. We don't know what's happened to this Moses guy. And so they brought their jewelry. Remember the story? Out came the calf and they started um, worshipping that calf. I want to just speak to you about the importance of godly leadership. You had Moses who knew God, had learned to hear the voice of God, who longed for more of the presence of God. You had Aaron, his brother, his right-hand man, his co-leader, who was easily led astray. And when I just hear that announcement Luke made about what's happening in Common Ground, just so thankful for mature leadership, strong leadership, giving us direction, giving us purpose, guiding us and helping us on our way. So Moses, uh, the heart of Moses, comes across to us in chapter 33 of Exodus. Moses says to God, If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Amazing. So Moses has been let down by his brother. This is the very next chapter after the calf. And he's getting together with God and saying, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go anywhere. We really need you present with us. So God is on a mission, as is Moses. But now the people must decide. Are they going to get behind what Moses is wanting to do or not? And things turn around amazingly when Moses speaks and when God uh, teaches them how he wants to be present with them. They're beginning to get the message. Can you see there's a big learning experience going on for, for the whole of Israel? They still got the slave mentality. Moses has got the anointing of God. He knows where he's going but the rest of them are a bit confused. But now, when we heard this last time, he asked them to give an offering for the building of the tabernacle. And we remember they gave generously. And now chapter 40, which is our chapter for the day, and we've just arrived there, uh, is where they start working on the tabernacle. And superficially, when you talk about a tent in the, in the wilderness, you might think of a typical American summer camp where all the kids go out and have a great time. I think that's a very wrong picture. I was thinking, what, what did it look like out there in the desert? 
And I thought these pictures we've been seeing on TV so much over the last few years of refugees from the Middle East, from North Africa, just desperately trying to get into Europe any way they can. Just a, a rabble of people pushing boundaries and, and not disciplined, not directed, just focused on getting where they want to go. And I think that is a, a better picture. There are huge numbers, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of them in the wilderness, and God is taking care of them every day. I mean, it is unbelievable. We are worried about what COVID might be doing to us now, and it is worrying. But you know what? These guys, they hadn't been in a store for a year now. They hadn't been able to get anything anywhere, but God fed them every day, and he kept their boots from wearing out. So God took care of them. And there's a message for us in this difficult season. We may not be able to see how, but God is going to be watching over us as long as we have his presence with us. Okay, so in my Bible, chapter 40 says, this is the heading in my Bible, the tabernacle erected and arranged. And it sounds like, well, it sounds like Luke and Lauren moving house, which is what they do quite often. (laughs) But actually, this is a big deal. So in chapter 40, verse 16 to 19, Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. So they've been in the wilderness for one year. All the work has been done. Remember the skilled workers, all the materials, they had it all. And now they've finished. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put it on its poles and raised up the pillows. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. You can see the next slide. This is what it looked like. There it is in the desert. Uh, And I'm going to go through the different pieces. But that's what it would have looked like when it was finished. But what, what Moses actually did was he put the outer tent up first. So that's the one on the right. And then he began to furnish it from the inside working outwards. And there is, I want to say there is so much symbolism in the tabernacle. The material that was used, there are just all sorts of stories in the tabernacle. Viv did a, a Bible study on it with the ladies' Bible study, which went on for 12 weeks, about a half hour of, or hour of teaching every week. We're not going to fit much of that in this morning because Luke took so long. No, you did really well, Luke. Thank you. <coughs> what we do see, though, is the material that was used in making this tabernacle. And on the outside, you've got brass. This is now dealing with the metals. That altar there was made of brass, as was that uh, basin. As you go inwards, you see the poles are attached in silver sockets. But then as you get into the, the holy place and the holy of holies, you see that the furnishings are made of gold. And it's like there's a transition as you get from ordinary outside amongst the people to the very presence of God in the, in the center. The value of the, of the materials speaks to us of the value of God and that he is present with us. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He's more precious than silver and gold. So there's this message in the materials as you go in. So that's what the completed par- um, uh, tabernacle would look like. And now we begin moving the furniture in, and we get to verses 20 and 21. 
So Moses took the testimony, that is the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments written on them, and put them into the ark and put poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark and the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. So for the next slide, we have a cutaway view of what's going on here. And you can see there's a blue arrow. That's pointing to the ark. That's that gold box. And then the veil, which is mentioned here, is, is like a curtain or a screen between this back room, the inner room of the ark, so, oh, sorry, of the tabernacle. Uh, so at the back there, there's no, no entrance except through the outer room. And that's where you enter from the outside if you're a priest. So uh, in this cutaway, we see there's the inner chamber, there's the ark, and the stone tablets in it with the Ten Commandments. So this is all highly significant. There inside this box is the law written. But what I love is above that is the mercy seat. I don't know if you get that. That there's a foundation of law that the children of Israel had, but there's also a place for God's grace, his mercy, which is above the law. And God's presence is on the mercy seat. And then surrounding that are these two gold cherubims. So it's like they are guarding God's presence on the mercy seat. If you think back to Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and they were removed from the Garden of Eden, there was a cherub there with a flaming sword that kept them from returning because they had sinned and there was no remedy for sin yet. So God could not have them eating of the tree of life in that sin-filled state. He had to work out the way of salvation for mankind before we could be restored. So we'll, we'll see just now that uh, in, this, in this ark, uh, or in, in the ministry, in the tabernacle, the high priest would go in once a year, uh, and he would offer the blood of sacrifice for the whole nation upon the ark. But he was only allowed in once a year. And it was like, you can't, you can't enter into the presence of God on the mercy seat unless the sacrifice has first been made. And of course, if you translate that into our experience, we cannot enter into God's presence except through Jesus Christ. He is the one who's made the way open for us. So I think you can see there is amazing symbolism in this tabernacle, a wonderful picture for them, but even more wonderful for us because we know with hindsight about the fulfillment of God's promises. Okay, so... I think I flipped one page too many there. <coughs> okay, so uh, we've seen the Holy of Holies and that um, the, the inner chamber is called the, the Holy of Holies and the outer chamber, the holy place. And as I mentioned, only the high priest could go in there and only with blood. Then we move out. So there's a veil between that Holy of Holies and the holy place, the outer room of this tabernacle. And in there, we find Exodus 40, verse 22 to 25. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil, and arranged the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand 
in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord and as the Lord had commanded Moses. So you'll see there on that picture, which is coming now, there's north. Ah, that helps us. So on that side is where the, the table is with the bread on it. And the bread reminds Israel, reminds us that God gave them manna every day. That bread was replaced every day by the priests. It was a reminder that God feeds us every day. But more than that, it points to the bread of life, Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. You'll find Jesus all over this tabernacle. And it reminds us that just as God wanted Israel to be a people of his presence, he wants us to be a similar people, enjoying his presence with us. Okay, so you've got that, um, the table, and then on the other side, you've got the lampstand. Um, normally, a, it seemed to be a seven-branched menorah, so it's like a tree. Speaking of the tree of life, it's got these lamps in it uh, with, with olive oil that's burning. Olive oil speaks of the Holy Spirit, and the light speaks of Jesus. I'm the light of the world. Again, all of these things symbolic. That is the only light inside this holy place. So that side of the tent, which isn't there anymore, um, is, is, uh, is the holy place, and it, it is illuminated by this one lampstand, just as Jesus is the one light of the whole world. Okay, we move on to Exodus uh, 40, verse 26. And he put a golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil. So this is the veil that separates the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And he burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. So now we've seen what's on the north and what's on the south. So on the side nearest the Holy of Holies is this altar of incense. And on the other side opposite it is the entrance door, which is screened. So the average Israelite couldn't see what was going on behind the screen. This was where the priests ministered. This is where they ministered to God and ministered on behalf of Israel. But it was hidden, I think, to emphasize the holiness of God and the fact that we and they should not take, take lightly the fact that we have his presence with us. It's an awesome thing that the Holy God wants to live amongst us and wants us to be his people. Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 8 speaks of the uh, prayers of the saints, saints being like incense rising up to God on his throne in heaven. And the idea here is that this incense provided a, a sweet smell in the whole, whole of the tabernacle, but it reminds us of the importance of our prayers to God. The interesting thing and this very sad thing about this uh, altar of incense, you might remember the story of Nadab and Abihu. We, we haven't done it. It's in Leviticus chapter 10, where these two sons of Aaron, when, when everything was set up, they decided to go ahead and put coals into the altar so that the incense could be sent up to God. But they didn't take the coals from off the altar that is outside where the sacrifices were made. They got coals from the camp somewhere. Someone's bry fire. I don't know. But God wants us to remember that he is holy and that we don't come to him even to pray unless the blood of Jesus 
uh, opens the way for us. Of course, he always hears the prayers of sinners who are repenting and don't know about Jesus. But for us, who are his people, we need to come to him respectfully. And this is just a reminder that it's a good idea to say, Father, I come to you through my Lord Jesus. As we come into prayer, we, we, we enter into God's presence because of Jesus. Okay, can you see all these pictures in this, this tent? Can you see why it's not a summer camp? This is an amazing building. Okay, so only the priests were allowed to go in and trim the lamps and to burn the incense. And as we said, Nadab and Abihu uh, didn't obey the rules and they were struck dead. God wanted to really make a point there. It always seems, wow, that's serious. Just for lighting the fire with the wrong fire lighter, this is not good. But God is wanting us to know how holy he is and how important it is to do things his way. Okay, so now moving outside of the, the tabernacle, we've got the two remaining pieces of furniture. If we can just have the overview there again. Okay, let's just read that one. He set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water on it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. All very practical. So these are both brass instruments. If we can just go to the overview of of the tabernacle. Sorry, the next one, please. There we go. So you've got the tent on the right, and on the left you've got that, looks like a bird bath, that's the basin, where the priests would wash their hands and their feet, and then beyond that, this brass altar, where the sacrifices would be burnt. And this, I mean, that thing must have been burning just about non-stop, 24-7, because the children of Israel would bring their, their sacrifices for forgiveness for sin, all the various offerings that were requested commanded. There was lots of stuff. And that's what the priests did. They spent most of their time working with the offerings uh, for the children of Israel. Okay, so this having been done, uh, the brass altar and and the the brass uh, wash basin were put there. um, and, And daily sacrifice was made. We need to remember that just once for all time, Jesus died for us. So that brazen altar again reminds us of Jesus and brass is, is a very base metal amongst the silver and the gold and it reminds us of our baseness and our sinfulness and the fact that sacrifice has to be made for our sins to be forgiven. I'm so thankful we don't have to plunder our sheep and goat flocks to get forgiveness for our sins because Jesus has done it once for all time died for our sins, yours and mine. And that, that big brass altar is there to remind us of what he has done. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. So once it was all completed and put up, 
this amazing tent. I mean, it just, when you think of all the gold and silver and this amazing furniture that these craftsmen had made, it must have been a beautiful thing to see. And yet it was housed under leather made with wild animals. And then there was fine linen underneath that. Um, Just an incredible building. And when it was all completed, the presence of God came upon it so strongly that Moses couldn't stand inside there. It was too much for Moses. How much more for the rest of the children of Israel? So the, the idea that, that God is present amongst his people is just emphasized by the fact that, wow, this is a powerful God. And we, we just, to me, it's, it's just amazing. On the one hand, this message, he wants to be amongst us. And on the other hand, it's quite awesome. The closer we get to him, the more respectful, the more holy he appears to us because he is holy, and the more we kind of quake at the knees at his presence. So God is inviting his people then, and he's inviting us now into his presence because he is a God who wants to be present amongst his people. Now, just a quick leap forward. We've looked at the fact that in Eden, there was a picture of God wanting to be present daily with Adam and Eve to walk in the evening and talk with them. And now we see God wanting to be present in the wilderness. And then if we go forward, we'll see that Solomon built a temple. And in Ezekiel, I think it is, we see the Spirit of God moving out of the temple, abandoning his people, no longer willing to be amongst them because they had backslidden so far and had worshipped all sorts of foreign gods. Very sad chapter in the history of Israel. But then Jesus comes, and um, he's called the Lamb of God by John, the sacrifice. He also calls us the Temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He is God with us. Um, So Jesus kind of overcame all of those problems by being God present in human form that we could see and touch, and then dying for our sins. All of this, part of the same story that goes from Genesis to Revelation. And in Revelation, uh, Luke loves the one right at the end where there's the marriage feast of the Lamb. He's into feasting at the moment. And so, wow, that is going to be a day, hey? When we sit down at a table with Father, Son, Holy Spirit present with us in our midst, and we have a feast together. But I want to end with a bit of a more sober note, and that is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Uh, God was giving John, the apostle, instructions and prophetic messages for the churches of Asia Minor, that's Turkey, and the Laodicean church is the lukewarm church. They've got blasé about the fact that God wants to be in their midst. And you know what? When we are disinterested in God, he moves away. And this is an amazing verse. It's it's often used by evangelists, but actually the message is something different. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's speaking to this backslidden, lukewarm church, and he is standing outside the door. 
And he's asking to be let in. Wow. What a pathetic picture. Um, and what a, what a picture of God willing to just stand there and persevere and knock at that door in case one person is willing to let him in. I hope we never get to the place where God is outside the building and we are inside and have forgotten about his presence. So there's, there's a great, great story here about God is the God who wants to be present with us. But there's a couple of in- interesting warnings that we need to respect and treasure and be a little bit awestruck at the holiness of God and the fact that he wants to be here with us. Amen. Right, let's just, I think I'll hand over to Mike and let him land this. Thank, thank you, Pete. Um, you know, it's such, I just encourage you to, you know, to go deeper in, into that. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's obviously a 12-week study on, on, the, uh, on the tabernacle um, and just all of it. And it's just amazing symbolism. So, you know, it's, just, it's, it's great fodder there for um, some of your devotion time if you're looking to, to dive into that and, you know, how it's just fulfilled in, in, in Jesus. And so and we'll close in prayer just, just shortly. Um, but just want to give an opportunity um, this morning as, as we close, um, there's just been you know, a couple of, God's really been speaking to us through, through Pete and through others this morning. And if, if you felt that one of those, and when Sean brought that word earlier, uh, was, was for you and you'd like someone to pray with you, we'd love to do that. Um, Sean and others will be here um, up front. And please just feel free to come and, and, and chat to one of us. We'd, we'd love to do that. Uh, and, and as well as this Ignite booklet, you know, we, we speak about it every week. But, you know, if, if you finding like, hey, how, how do I start? Where do I start? What do I do? How do I deal with all of this? You know, this kind of materials is just incredible just to work through nice and slowly over 30 days, just to kind of a, a nice on-ramp um, to do it. So I encourage you to come grab one. They are free. Um, or if you know someone who you think would, would benefit from this, please just come grab a, a, grab a, copy, a, copy, a copy before coffee. <laughs> copy before coffee. Talking about coffee. Um, just because of the weather this morning, the coffee will be served at the at the coffee cart where you got it on the way in. And if you're a tea drinker, it's just outside on the left here, your right um, in the corner. Um, not that tea drinkers should be in the corner, but that's just where it is. If you're a tea drinker, it's over there. Um, so both are good and acceptable. Um, really want to encourage you to thank Judy for her time and commitment this morning. Um, incredible work there and incredible teachers. Um, and guys, 75 Rand um, is, is not a lot, which can go a long way to blessing other people. So please can I ask you on your way out just to grab the details there. Snaps can do it now if you can. Um, but let's get behind that and really bless those, um, those teachers there. Um, I think everyone's, everyone's had a tough year, especially teachers. So let's, let's bless them. Um, and let me pray for us as we go. God, thank you this morning uh, for your presence here. Uh, God, you have spoken to us in such a beautiful way um, this morning, um, reminding us of your presence with us. And just as we've we've gone back to the to the to the tabernacle and uh, and your presence um, 
there so people could see it. But God, thank you that we have uh, you with us and in us and that we don't have to go into a temple, but God, you are, are with us. And so just thank you for that this morning. And just thank you for these words of encouragement that God, you're a God who pursues us relentlessly. Um, and isn't that amazing? Um, you are full of goodness and we, um, and thank you for, um, you know, for fathering us and for loving us and for speaking to us this morning and encouraging us um, from, from your word and from, um, you know, singing and, and being here. So we're just thankful for that. And, and God just ask that you continue to be with us um, as we go into the week and the rest of this day. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go well, everyone.